You're listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert. And I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find fascinating. And today I have a wonderful guest in the studio with me for my last show of the year. It's not often I have a in, an in-studio guest. Usually they're on the phone. I can't see them, and I don't know what they're thinking or what their body language is. But uh, luckily, she's here in the studio, and she is a wealth of knowledge. She's actually one of the best dating coaches that I have heard, and I've heard of a lot of them after doing three three years of this show. So without further adieu, is it adieu or adieu? Adieu. Uh, let me introduce her, Miss Lauren Francis. Welcome to The Art of Love. Hi, Lucia. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So um, Lauren has written a little book called uh, Dating, Mating, and Manhandling, the Ornithological Guide to Men. What's with the big words? <laughs> gonna confuse I all could of have us. said bird watching, but I decided to use ornithological. That's right. And it's P-H-double-D. Not just, she not, doesn't have just one D, it's, a, it's two Ds. So, okay, a little bit about Lauren. She is an internationally acclaimed love coach, author, and the real go-to secret of Hollywood's hottest celebrities. Her work has been spotlighted on Bravo, Extra, NBC, Fox, Oxygen, VH1, and she's been profiled in L, OK Magazine, Star Magazine, and of course, many more. She's Victoria's Secret Flirt Expert, and we are lucky to have her here today. So... How did you get into this field? Uh, the dating uh, and love coaching field? As opposed to the bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was uh, uh, I had three boyfriends when I was three. I've always been a little boy crazy. It's been a big topic of uh, a lot of conversation, a lot of deep thought. Uh-huh. And uh, I was the girl that everybody used to ask questions of and still does. And finally, one day, somebody asked one too many questions. And I said, if you call me one more time, I'm going to have to charge you. And she said, okay. I was like, all right. Ah, and that's how it started. (laughs) That is how it started. And actually, really, how it did start was, you know, before online dating, about 10 years ago, before it was, like, actually socially acceptable, Mm -hmm, my girlfriends were like, we can't figure out how to pick up men. What are you doing? How are you doing it? I said, well, follow me. And I took them to the nightclub or the bar, and we we started what we called the Man Trap Pack. Uh-huh. And there was a leader, that was me, uh-huh. a lookout, a scout, and a sniper. They all had <laughs> positions right. and specific duties and their marriages, you know, dates uh-huh. and fun that came out of those man trap packs. Wow. And then I actually do teach women now how to become, it's really how to become a really successful wing woman, mm. right? And support one another for the purpose of spotting and lowering lovebirds. Right. Okay. So I've listened to 
uh, your seminars, your free tele-seminars that you give, oh, thank and you. they are wonderful. So I have like a host of questions for you, both from your book and from your tele-seminars. Perfect. Uh, okay, so the first one, which stood out, which I think is great, is you said, when men fall in love, they become like little girls. So what Oh, <laughs> I think a lot of men are on this line. Usually my teleclasses are really for women only. I believe that men are, there's some misnomers and some, I think there's a lot of misinformation about men in our uh -huh. culture. And my love coaching is very man friendly. Men usually seem to agree. Uh -huh. So we'll see if your viewers, uh, your listeners out there do agree with my romantic research and my findings. Okay. I believe that men, when they fall in love, uh -huh. are actually much more romantic than mm. women are. I think that they fall like big redwood trees in the forest. They don't fall in love as often uh -huh. as women do, and they don't fall out of love as quickly as most women do. They fall in love probably, you know, one, two, three times in a lifetime, and everybody else is like a distant second. Mm -hmm. And... So it, when they get disappointed in love, I think that uh, it really is very crushing for them. Mm -hmm. I think that they feel very uh, dashed. You know, their expectations get dashed in a very particular way. And so that's sort of what I mean. And I also think that they're, what inspires them to uh, create relationships is uh, fueled by testosterone. So they do think of things in kind of epic proportions, even going out and you know, let's say just picking up milk from the 7-Eleven can, can be like mission accomplished. Uh -huh, <laughs> they uh -huh. can ascribe big, dramatic outcomes <laughs> to very simple things. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. in the area of love and romance, it is uh, not only, it's not estrogen fueled for men. It's obviously testosterone fueled. And so these big wins and losses are epic. Ah, okay. All right. So now you said that there's a way to create a rapport within three minutes. Okay, these questions are really bouncing all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> they are, um, I told you. <laughs> to create rapport on first dates? Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, well, the best way to create rapport with anybody, and this is a good tip for whether you're a man or a woman, is to practice the art of the magical phrase, nice tie or nice handbag. Now, these days, you know, my coaching really is very focused on helping single women create the romantic fulfillment that they would like. So uh -huh. in other words, what I what I do is instead of just kind of going along and seeing what the guy wants to create, which is really how women have been taught to right. partner, right? I yes. call it the romantic coaching women got from the Brothers Grimm. And this is where Sleeping Beauty pricked her finger on a, spingle, on, a, on a spindle, went into a coma, and then a hot prince rushed in and rescued her from a life of intense boredom by mm -hmm. kissing her awake. And Snow White bit an apple, and went into a coma. In fairy tales, women are always going into comas. Right. And Sex the hot coma. princes, you know, are expected to come in and save them, and all that you have to do is look awesome when you're sleeping, really, and wear mm. a hot dress, and mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, be in a location where somebody can actually stumble over you. Right. So all of the heavy lifting in romantic relationships, you know, in terms of how we were uh -huh. really steeped in uh, the conversation about how to create love from a child, really is about women being incredibly passive. And it's interesting because I work with some of the most powerful women in the world, people who have their own jets, people who have won every kind of accolade, awards, Grammys, Oscars, Emmys, oh my. The thing that is the most difficult for women to do is to be upfront about what their romantic goals are. They still believe that they will scare men off if they reveal 
their romantic intentions. Mm. Now, what's so hilarious is that men usually already know what right. they are. All men know of that course. women want to get married and yes. have children, even if they're not saying it. Right. So women that act like they're cool girls and don't confess what their relationship goals are, really, the only person that they're hurting is themselves. And mm. the biggest problem most people have in relationships are a lack of romantic intention that's compatible and in alignment with the other person. So mm -hmm. I, I liken this to getting into a cockpit, the cockpit of a plane, uh -huh. and somebody wants to go to Brazil, the other person wants to go to France. What's going to happen is somebody's going to get hijacked or <laughs> the plane's going to crash, right? Right. Um, so, so what I suggest that women do on a first date uh -huh. is to ask the heartache prevention question, which is goes like this. So, Clark, do you believe in marriage and family? Mm -hmm. So you don't ask him what he wants for himself. You don't say, this is what I want. You say, do you believe in marriage? And right then and there, he will actually say, I am already married. <laughs> I'm sleeping in the basement. We're trying to get a divorce. Or he'll say, you know, no, I don't. Everybody uh, that I know has a miserable marriage, and mm -hmm. I don't want that for myself. Or he'll say, yes, that's the beginning of the adventure. So once you're really clear that somebody's got the same romantic intentions, now, the truth about this kind of question is that you can't take the answer personally yet. Mm -hmm, so right. it's literally like having a man talk to a bartender, mm. right? And they will be happy to really share where they're coming from on a first date. And no woman would actually ever be that honest or forthright. Men tend to be much more honest on first dates. Uh -huh. They'll try to vet you for partnership right. really quickly. I also um, talk about something called the uh, secret male lemon law disclaimer mm -hmm. where on a first date, Men will actually tell you exactly what's wrong with them. While he's flaunting his fine feathers, he'll say, I'm cheating on my mistress. <laughs> huh? And women will laugh or they'll say, right. you know, I don't believe in love. Mm. Right? They'll tell you exactly what they know you're going to have a problem with. And if you laugh or don't really listen to it mm. or don't lean into the weird piece of information you just got, what will happen is he will think that he's a good guy for telling you, mm. and then if you continue to date him, it's actually now going to be your fault mm -hmm. because exactly. he literally told you what was wrong with him right. from the outset. They'll often say, yeah, I believe in marriage, just not for a really long time. <laughs> and yes. all women believe that they have a magic vajayjay uh -huh. and that if you start having sex with them, that all of a sudden you'll forget what your romantic goals are if you're a man and that you'll be able to rest them into the kind of romantic relationship that the women are actually looking for. But they do this in a very passive way. That's mm -hmm. what I mean by being a sleeping beauty in a coma. Right? Yes, absolutely. So speaking of sex, then according to Lauren, when do you think a woman should finally have sex with a new guy? You know, this is such a personal question. You know, a lot of my relationship um, coaching is moral neutral, meaning I work with women who are... Uh, born-again Christians, women who are in Muslim countries, women who are free radicals <laughs> and have as much sex uh, as they want with anybody that they so choose. Uh -huh. So for me, it's not the that is really a personal question. Uh -huh. You know, if you want to save yourself for sex on the wedding uh -huh. night, which uh -huh. a lot of people do, you know, in certain parts of the country and the world, that's okay. It's not about when you have sex. It's about I think that the biggest, the pearl of great price yes. is really when you decide to become exclusive with a suitor. Mm, the suitor. That is <laughs> the most important thing that women need to figure out. Because mm -hmm. truthfully, 
most women, statistics show, it's like one, two, three dates he's in, Ugh. or one, two, three strikes he's out. So how special is sex anyway? Mm-hmm. Right? That's usually a part of the investigation process mm. for couples. And most people don't talk about exclusivity prior to the sexual experience in our culture. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I have no value judgment on it. But mm-hmm. I do think that for most women, it would be wise to do a little uh, romantic research before you take it undercover, so to speak, and wait until you really find out what his relationship goals are, mm. if they're compatible with you, and if he thinks that he could fulfill them with you. So if you're somebody who doesn't want to have sex until you're in an exclusive situation, what I would do is not have sex until you're exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> and the best way to not have sex until you're exclusive is to, you know, and this is what I call a man fact, you know, once you let men indoors, they just want to get naked. <laughs> so as long as you keep your dating out of, you know, outside of the house, uh-huh. it's uh, much less likely that you're going to wind up with your thong off. Right, right, right. Yeah, because otherwise you'll go into what you call a sex coma. Correct. Which is what? When Hopefully. You, you can't see anything. You can't see straight anymore. The sex is so fantastic that all of a sudden all of his flaws <laughs> completely melt away and you totally forget that he told you that he was doc, you know, wanted to be a doctor without borders and was going to be gone for the rest of your life. Okay. Then what if the sex isn't fantastic? Then you don't go into the sex coma? Well, uh, probably not. Okay. <laughs> That's Next. One good thing about bad sex. Um, yeah, I, I totally ag- agree with that. Uh, in fact, I practiced that and it worked. Which would you practice which? Well, um, I didn't. Uh, I was. I started dating a new guy. Mm-hmm. And of course, he wanted to have sex. And uh, and I said, well, are you having sex with anyone else? And he says, well, I'm having sex with three other people. Okay. And so I go, well, in that case, I'm sorry, but I don't feel comfortable having sex with someone unless uh, they're exclusive with me. And then he goes, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, how long had you been dating when you asked him that um, question? How long? Maybe about a month and a half. We, we hadn't mm. had sex yet. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But, but then I said, well, how am I supposed to believe what you say now? If you say you had sex with three women and you said you didn't. He's like, okay, I didn't, I didn't. And uh, in fact, um, we waited um, three months. Oh. I'm proud to say. Awesome. That's right. Was he worth the wait? I practiced what I preach. Um, well, definitely, because also, you know, you're more secure because they're, they're willing to wait that long. You know, they're probably not going anywhere. Right. Right. Well. Well. <laughs> you know, I mean, if they're going to wait for three months with no sex, then they, obviously they like you or they wouldn't still be That's there. true, or they might be having sex with other people. Well, yeah, they probably are, but if you're not having sex with them, then it's like, who cares? There we go. Right? There we go. So you got clear about what you're, and then do you ha- did you have an agreement about monogamy before you had sex? Uh, well, yeah, I said I had to be the only person. Great. <laughs> Adorable. You get a gold star. Yeah. Hey, I have to practice what I preach, right? Yes. Otherwise, if I don't do it, who's going to? Um, so it does work, you know, cause a lot of people say, oh, you know, you can't, you know, the guy's going to go away if you don't have sex within the first three dates. And I'm like, if he's interested, he's not going anywhere. Well, I would certainly hope not. That's the purpose of courtship is to see who keeps flying right along beside you. Right. Exactly. Nice. So, okay. Now what about, here's something that always comes up is there's always an X in the background. Right. So how can you tell if a guy is still hung up on his X? He talks about her all the time. What's all the time? On your dates. He brings her up with great regularity and fre- frequency. And that there is still, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people uh, are going through 
messy divorces or gone through messy divorces and they uh -huh. have children. So those kinds of relationships really uh, take a while to settle, mm -hmm. sometimes years and years and years. Mm. And so that is one of the things that you want to see is if there was a really acrimonious divorce, um, how far out from the process he is and also uh -huh. how friendly both partners are mm -hmm. really because somebody who's really engaged in active warfare where their ex is real you know still attached mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah because there's always an ex in the background i find even if it's if there's not an ex-husband ex-wife there's an ex-girlfriend that they somehow haven't let go of. right i mean you usually can tell if people are emotionally available be, by them really having a great willingness to move the relationship forward with you and mm. also really somebody who has romantic goals mm -hmm. for themselves and kind of does start talking about their future and not just their past. Right. Right? Future talk. That's always good. Well, there can be something called that I call the premature we, which is where men start talking about us, like, oh, you'd look so beautiful pregnant and you're on a second date, or, oh, I can't wait to have herring in Amsterdam and you're on the first date. Right, right. And that kind of talk is really as much for a man's benefit as yours. It's like he's kind of dreaming up the future and it uh -huh. sounds really good and yeah. he kind of knows what you want to hear. Right. But then there's kind of talking about what his relationship goals are. Right, Nat, you don't want to prick your ears up for. <laughs> Ding! And it's always a good sign if he asks what your goals are in a relationship. Correct. That, the man that asks, asks you what your relationship goals are is usually really looking for something. Aww. He's looking for a wife or he's looking to not find another wife. For example, I had a client who had a um, suitor who said to her, so do you want children? You probably want children. Now, one would have thought, oh, wow, that means that he's trying to vet her for children because he wants them. And she said, yeah, I really do. He said, oh, yeah. I like them, but I'm never going to have them. So she was actually off Oops. of his list. He was doing <laughs> romantic research for himself to right. see if it was going to be a good fit. Right. And it wasn't. Yes. For him. Right. Well, or her. Better they know right away. Right. Now, what about guys over 40 that have never been married? What's your take on those guys? You know, a lot of men in the culture right now don't really see a big upside to getting married. There's just a big financial liability mm. in terms of getting married. So, And there's so many... Um, men that are around that age who come from families of divorce now mm -hmm. and or who see a lot of divorce around them. So I don't really have a super big judgment. My thing okay. is, have they created long-term relationships? Mm. People who haven't created long-term relationships that are 40 are, you know, people who have not created relationships and they're 40. Right. That yep. means something. Yeah. It's not like the old days where if you got to 40 and you had never been married. There was a big problem there. Right. That meant that you were... You know, we don't know. You were something. A bachelor. <laughs> a bachelor. Like Rock Hudson. Yes. In the Rock Hudson term. Or Liberace. Of the words. Exactly. <laughs> Who just couldn't find the right girl. Exactly. Because um, <laughs> he kept wanting to wear her clothes. <laughs> steal, steal her Sparkle. clothes. Um, okay, so dating, mating, and manhandling. I love that word, manhandling. Thank you. Um, Me okay, too. So, so what is the book about? We, obviously, we know it's about love and dating and relationships. It is a guide for single women who are interested in creating romantic fulfillment. And it takes you through the dating, the mating, and the manhandling process. Mm -hmm. And so the first part is the rules of dating and what um, the mindset of what I call the romantic researcher should be that's going out and interested in playing the field and, you know, getting flocked <laughs> and finding... <laughs> she uh, said flocked. Flocked. 
Um, and I compared men to birds because if you literally look up there, men are, women are always saying, where are all the good guys? I'm like, just look up. They're everywhere. Women walk, you know, and men walk through their worlds kind of with their eyes down and they're not really looking around them. They're not signaling their attraction mm-hmm. to suitors. And one of the biggest problems that most single women have is that they are flirting like medieval maidens. In other words, <laughs> they believe that men are supposed to come to them. And I'm always having women who say, you know, I want a guy with enough balls to ask me out. Mm-hmm. Well, the truth is, is that most men have been shot down so repeatedly mm. by women, you know, starting with that long walk across the <clears throat> gymnasium high school floor, right. right, that they have actually got post-traumatic stress disorder from getting blown off by hot women. So most nice guys are not going to actually break the fourth wall when you're in the supermarket or when you're in the elevator. They're not going to actually intrude upon your private space. Mm. Because if anybody was to look at you, for example, Lucia, no one would think that you were single. I know. I can't believe it either. <laughs> <laughs> but why would anybody think that most women over 25 would be single? There's nothing in end because most women or many women are not married, right? Right. And flashing a ring of uh, saying that I'm off the market, right? There's no way to, for men to tell who's single and who's not single, who's taken and who's not taken, mm. right? The ring is obviously a big tell, but for all those other hot women that are out there, there's no reason for them to assume that they even have a shot. So what those men are doing is they're, and they also know that women are vulnerable and they don't want to be the creep that scares women off. So they're waiting for a woman to indicate to a man that it's actually okay for them to approach. And I call this, and this actually goes back to the first question you asked me, which is how to create attraction in three seconds or Mm -hmm. three minutes. So the the way to do it within three seconds is to literally have a woman break the ice to let if you see somebody that is interesting and he crosses your path, all you have to do to signal your openness to having a conversation is to practice the art of the magical phrase, nice tie. All you have to do is look at a man. Now, I would say men are externally referenced. They cuddle up with magazines about sports and cars and breasts and gizmos and gadgets. Uh So all you have to do to break the ice with a man is to talk about a gizmo or a gadget or something that he's wearing or doing. Uh You don't talk about his physicality Mm. because that's something a man would do. A man would go, nice, beautiful eyes, gorgeous smile, nice hair. Okay. Instead, what you want to do is go, nice sports watch. Right? Or nice tie. And the and then men will totally, it's a social reflex, uh-huh. social intercourse, basically. That if you get complimented, you immediately perk up and say thank you. Perk up. <laughs> you do. Uh-huh. You perk up and say, I don't know where your mind went, Lucia. <laughs> I, wasn't thinking, I wasn't even thinking that. <laughs> you just like the word. It just delighted her. She just perked up when I said perk up. So, so... All that you have to do is to literally toss men a crumb of approval. Now, I always say that men are really (laughs) motivated by approval, Uh right? And the biggest mistake most women make is they think first dates are supposed to be about them. It's not. The first date's actually about the guy, just like the engagement ring actually is about the guy. It's something that says either the woman that you put on the woman's ring, ring finger that says, I'm married or I'm I can't swear on this radio station, but I'm MFN married. Okay, so it really says more about the guy than it does about the woman. So um, I actually lost my train of thought. I know where. where, where... <laughs> um, so so on first date. So on first dates, first dates are really about the man 
I always say that if men are really impressed with you, they will try to impress you. Right. The man that's not impressed with you is not going to try to impress you. He's going to lay back and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's not going <laughs> to really flaunt his feathers. But men that really are interested in partnering with you in whatever way, whatever, if it's sexually or emotionally or spiritually, et cetera, they're going to really try to prove to you that they are grade-A specimens, that their sperm is of the most delightful vintage, right? right. That you will be making a good male selection mm-hmm. by partnering with this particular male. And so what he will do is he will talk about all of his accolades, all of his medals, all of his feats of daring, even if it's, I didn't let the valet parkers park my Bentley, I parked it across the street, <laughs> Right. And they'll also try to get you to nip into their mansions before dates so you can look at the view, Ooh. right? And uh-huh. see what's in store for you if you're lucky enough uh. to make the right choice. <laughs> so on first dates, men are really flaunting their stuff. And so the best way to break the ice with any man is to pay him a compliment. And that is actually how to create, women can create connection with men. Yeah. Literally in three seconds. Okay. All right. That was a long answer to a short question. <laughs> right, but it's a big topic because this is why oh, most women, this is literally why most women are not getting asked out. If you are one of those women, if you're sitting out there in cyberspace and yeah. you're wondering why you're not getting asked out, it's mm. literally because you are, you've got a psychic no-fly zone surrounding you and it's actually coming from you. Wow. And this, practicing this tip will up the odds of you finding somebody to date. Mm-hmm. Literally by 150%. Jeez. Okay. So what I often suggest that women do is that they practice this with three men a week. And they don't have to be men that you're interested in dating. It's just literally getting comfortable with breaking the ice. And then all you have to do, the reason why women are doing this is because they're afraid that the guys they're going to be talking to are taken. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's exactly why men aren't talking to you. Mm-hmm. They think you're taken. Right. So all you have to do is just go, nice tie. And I'll go, thank you. And you can say, well, it was. Have a delightful day, Andre. Anything that rhymes is always good. <laughs> right. And if he's interested, he'll stop you. He'll, well, it, he, then what, if he's interested, he'll start chir- chirping back with you. He'll hop a little bit closer. He'll go, nice handbag. And you can go, oh, thank you. And he'll go, do you live around here? You go, I do. And you, I do. And what will happen is you will get a little chit-chat going, mm-hmm. and you will be able to tell very quickly if he is mm-hmm. interested you'll have opened the door right all right very good now on to another problem that i think women have and that is that they tend to emasculate men so what are some ways that you think women do that that they may not even be aware of well i think what context are you talking about this in there's a lot of ways that men can be emasculated. So is there a particular... Uh, no, just anyway, just little things they do and say that they may not realize that they're even doing it. Um, well, I think that there is a confusion in the culture in terms of dating right now uh, where, where because the social roles of courtship have gotten really blurry, I call it who's the dude, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of women feel like um, they may need to text that guy to say... Great date. Mm. You never need to do that. All you need to do is thank men at the end of the date. Right. And then really put the ball back in their court. I really do feel that courtship 
gender roles mm -hmm. are good things to have. I really believe in creating what I call legendary love affairs that last forever. And the way that works is you really empower the man to be the fullest expression that he can be of his masculine energy, mm -hmm. right? And that you want to be in your feminine energetic. The reality is no matter how alpha a woman is, she wants to feel like she's the girl when she comes home. That's right. She can be big and strong at the office, but literally she's a little tiny cream puff who read Cinderella and Snow White <laughs> and Sleeping Beauty and really does want a big, strong man to actually take care of her so she can relax. Right. Women actually need to relax. That's what happens when they're around somebody that makes them feel safe. Mm -hmm. So because women are big and strong, right, in the work world, yeah. and because a lot of women are fending for themselves, right, they don't know how to turn it off. Turn it off, and also how to let go of a certain kind of control that is important to have in a romantic relationship. There's got to be room for testosterone in your world. Mm -hmm. So this is like a bigger coaching, but I call this um, the Jerry Maguire theory of love. And uh -huh. you know, I believe that uh, you know it's very funny because I. Whenever I ask men if they like Jerry Maguire, they, to a man, all love Jerry Maguire. Uh -huh. And it's because it really talks about the partnership paradigm that most men respond to mm -hmm. when it comes to creating real relationship. And the reality is, is that most men marry women they need, not the women they want. Ooh. Hopefully the women they need have enough of what they want to keep them engaged mm -hmm. in every way. Uh-huh. Uh, and they tend to be better at creating long-term partnership in terms of their shopping list. Men tend to be better at shopping for relationship than most women. Mm -hmm. They know that they're good at making big purchases, be it autos, homes, right, the big things. Mm -hmm. Women are like want machines. I want that purse. I want that right. yeah. skirt. I want that guy. I want to go to that on um, to that resort, right? Right. But when I really drill down with women what their long-term relationship goals are, they have a very hard time confessing to me what they are. They mm -hmm. really do. It's very it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So because men are really clear usually about what it is that they want and what they need, what their bottom lines are, they are good at doing what I call ro relationship negotiation much more effectively than women. Mm -hmm. Women are still being very passive. In this way, right? I'm completely answering another question. It's but okay. It will, it I was going to go there anyway. Yeah, but so. it will it'll it'll loop back to the thing that we're talking about. Um, I'm the most un-ADD <laughs> interviewee because I will always remember where I start. I might take you on That's a ride. Good. That's great. But we'll always circle back to the point at hand. So, so men all have this powerful mission to fulfill, be it finding the most exotic butterfly in the world, being uh, the biggest partier on the block, having a fabulous family, whatever his mission is, mm. whatever special gift he feels like he needs to share with the world, it's going to be big and it's going to be the most dominant and important driver for the man. And everything else will be a distant second. Mm. The quickest way to lose a man is to interfere with him and his mission. Right. If a woman gets in between him and his mission, even if she's the best lover in the world, even if she's the hottest girl in the room, even if he's married to her and it will cost him a fortune to get away from her. If a woman starts conflicting with a man's ability to do his mission, she will get removed 
And if he can't do it physically, he will do it emotionally. Mm. And he'll do it sexually. So the way that women really emasculate men mm-hmm. is they don't support men in fulfilling their mission. Aha. And each man has his own special mission to fulfill, and it's very self-defined. Right. And often, like, for example, this is the woman who meets and marries a musician and then tries to get him to quit his job and become a pharmaceutical salesman. Right. <laughs> well, he was a musician. Yeah. He was passionate about being a musician, and only a near cataclysmic, almost death experience mm-hmm. will get men to alter their mission. Now, some men go through horrible divorces. They destroy their first marriages. And all of a sudden, in midlife, like that's what that's actually what the midlife crisis is for uh-huh. people. It's, oh, my God. And especially for men, it's like, oh, my God, uh, I did this mission. I fulfilled it. What's next? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. I missed really having a profound love relationship or my children hate me. How do I get them back into my life? Mm-hmm. I want to be the good dad. So their missions do change, and they will often find women who can support that version of their new mission. Very important. Now, women often say to me, well, what about me and my mission? I always say, well, you know what? I always say women really don't have the same kind drive. of conflict. Mm-hmm. Well, our, our, our drive, I mean, I do think that women can be uh, completely as driven, uh-huh. if not more driven than men. And actually, uh, statistics show that more girls are going to college now than yeah. boys. Women are extremely focused and mm-hmm. incredibly disciplined and incredibly hard workers and multitaskers, right? But we have the ability to multitask mm-hmm. and we're fueled by estrogen, not testosterone, which makes us less black and white, mm-hmm. right? And women, I in my lexicon of language, have a purpose and a feeling of destiny. And women also get profound fulfillment doing many different things. Right. I know that this is now this is a big generalization, so yes. my cat catch some <laughs> crap for it. But the basic the basic dynamics here are in principle are important to understand. So in the Jerry Maguire theory of love, since a lot of your viewers or listeners are men. I wish we were on TV. Oh a lot of <laughs> well, a lot of our listeners are, are men. Um so in the Jerry Maguire theory of love, that's what I call it. Jerry Maguire has a job. His job is to be a sports agent, and his mission is to be the greatest sports agent in the world. Mm. And what happens? He gets fired, and he's engaged to a woman who he thinks loves him. But really, as soon as he loses his job, she sucks him in the nose and calls him a loser. And at that moment, he realizes that she doesn't love him. She loved his stuff, mm-hmm. what he could do for her. She didn't actually love him. Now, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how successful you are. Nobody wants to be loved for their stuff. Right. They want to be loved for themselves, even if they're not very lovable. (laughs) So no comment. What happens is in the movie is he gets sucked in the nose. He gets up and he goes, who will come with me? He's a man on a mission. Okay, I'm out of here. I'm going to start my own thing. No one responds. And then Renee Zellweger says, I will, I will, Jerry. And she grabs her fishbowl and her typewriter and she trots out after him. And then she goes about supporting him and fulfilling his mission. Well, what happens? Now, this is what I always say to women Uh is that men will, because most women don't really understand why men marry. It's because they need you. Yeah. Right? Most men will be happy to fulfill a woman's romantic goals Mm -hmm. if she's helping support him in fulfilling his mission. It's no skin off of his nose. 
And in fact, it makes good sense. Right. She's doing this for me. I can do that for her. Right? Ah. Now, if his mission is to create family or a legendary love that lasts forever, if he's in that place in his life, uh-huh. you are so lucky as a woman because then your romantic goals will be in alignment with his mission. That's a very easy relationship. Now, men who are, my brother, for example, is incredibly well married and has a huge job, huge, huge, huge job. Mm-hmm. And he's also got four children. My brother's mission is to create a happy family and loving home. Mm. That's actually his mission. Wow. That's the most important thing to him. So even though he's making a lot of money and he is the youngest person in his field mm-hmm. at his level of success, he is somebody who is making the money for his family. And he always says, you know, this is actually for my family. And when he goes out and makes more money, it's so that he can take more care of his family. Okay. Okay. It's not so that he can be the baller at work. So, so what happens in this movie is that because it's such a natural reflex for men to automatically support a woman's romantic goals, if his mission is getting supported, he actually proposes to her. And I can't remember whether he gets married to her or not, but they literally, uh, you know, she's got a son. She needs a husband. He actually proposes. And I do think that they get married. Mm-hmm. And what happens is she realizes that he's not actually emotionally engaged with her. Uh-oh. He did it because he was getting support, and that was what he thought she wanted from him. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really of the heart. So what she does is she actually says, you know, I adore you, but this is not working for me. We deserve better. And she keeps the door open, but she really gets clear that she's not willing to just support his mission and just have an empty right. relationship. She wants real fulfillment in this area. So she sets a boundary that, you know, I'm not going to actually support your mission anymore unless you're willing to really create the emotional fulfillment for me that I'm looking for. And she takes all of her marbles away. And then what happens is he goes and has this incredible success and he looks around and he's like, oh my God, it's not worth it without love. And that's when he emotionally connects the dots, oh. right? And uh-huh. he emotionally engages uh-huh. with her enough to actually fall in love. And this is... And then he comes back and says, you had me at hello. Well, the truth is she didn't have him at hello. Mm-hmm. She had him at goodbye. <laughs> when she said, when she became, and that's when she became a high value person in his life, when she got real status and showed real self-esteem. Right. So she wasn't willing to just support him mindlessly, hoping he would love her and taking crumbs. She was like, no, you know what? If we're going to do this, I need the love. I need the emotional connection. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he did find it for her. So, it's interesting that men love this movie because it really talks about a lot of parity and a lot of equality between the sexes when it comes to romantic relationships. It's not just one person getting what they want. Right. Men are not actually really that selfish. Men really do believe in fairness. You're smiling. And she's like, <laughs> I beg to disagree. Now, the truth of the matter is men, healthy men want to make women happy. Mm-hmm. They really do. And most men, I think, do want to make women happy. Mm-hmm. Woe to the woman who's partnered with a man who does not actually like making women happy and, in fact, likes making them unhappy. That's an abusive relationship. Or wants them to make him happy. Well, I think that it's okay for men to want to make him, for men to want women to make them happy. Oh, okay. They're better at shopping for relationships. They won't actually get into a relationship unless the woman's actually making them happy. Ah, okay. Right? That's the bottom line, core. They're very smart at shopping. Right? So they, most men, this is generalization, but most men really know what they need 
and they partner what they need. And they've been given a lot of permission to go and get it. Right. Women are passively waiting for men to be mind readers and give them what they know that you know that they want. <laughs> so if you, you know, if you've got a turban on your head, awesome for the, you know, but most <laughs> men really do know that women are looking for real protection. They're looking for safety and they're looking for uh, a place to rest at the end of a difficult day. Well, I think both sexes are looking for that, a safe harbor. They're looking for to. a safe harbor. Exactly. So to answer the question, how do women emasculate men? <laughs> Which I asked 20 minutes ago. <laughs> they do it by, this is the easiest interview. Literally, you can just like do your nails. I know. She's like just, been uh, dusting. Yes, cleaning up here. Um, <laughs> so uh, the way that women emasculate men is they don't respect the man's mission. Mm-hmm. And they make fun of the man's mission. So let's say, mm. for example, I just led a seminar um, and it was about creating legendary love and the women were married. And I said, how many women here have men who really have a passion that's not getting fulfilled right now in their lives because they have done the responsible thing and are supporting their families? And half of the women had their hands shoot up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the stockbroker who all he wants to do is open up a bed and breakfast and a gumbo, like a gumbo, like a Louisiana Cajun bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. Literally, that's his dream. And I said to her, wow, and they live in Jersey. I was like, wow, and what do you say when he talks? She's like, oh, I was like, how do you know that's his mission? She she said, because that's what he talks about all the time. (laughs) All he wants to do is open up a bed and breakfast, like a Cajun bed and breakfast. And I said, what do you say when he brings it up? She says, I tell him he's an idiot. Ooh. Okay. Now, I said to her, is your husband happy at work? She was like, no. And I said, why is he Why is he living a life that's not really filling him? And she was like, well, you know, we've got a family to support. I was like, a lot of men leave women and children to go and do the thing that they want to do. Why is he not doing that? And she said, well, because he's a good guy. I said, Right. So what you need to do is to pat him and acknowledge him. And I gave her a little love RX. I said, you know, I want you to go home tonight and tell him that you know that his passion is really, if he had his druthers, would be to open up a bed and breakfast, little Cajun bed and breakfast, and that his workday where he spends most of his time is spent doing something he really hates and that you really appreciate the sacrifice, the personal sacrifice he's making to support the family mm. and that on your vacation, you guys are going to go to Louisiana and eat Cajun at every single restaurant that he wants to go to. Wow. And that is respectful. That is how you don't emasculate a man. And that right. if a man is surrendered a version of his mission to really take care of you and to take care of the family, that you really respect him for it because that is a big thing for a man to do. Mm-hmm. That's a huge sacrifice for him. That's a personal sacrifice for him. And so to not feel valued about the contribution that they're making, to not feel like um, they're seen and supported by the women in their life is the biggest is the biggest way mm-hmm. that you emasculate your partner. Right. And it's the biggest way you'll lose your partner. I was going to say. And this is why many men who um, you know work, 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 and then we get really upset because their husbands are workaholics, uh-huh. right? This is the phenomena of the man who marries his secretary or the nanny 
Right. Because she's the person who day to day is emotionally supporting him through the big the big speeds of his life. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we only have a few minutes left. <laughs> Time is a passing here. Quickly, I have to ask you about yes. this because I heard this in one of your uh, teleseminars. I'm like, what does she mean? You said that the best way to discipline men is with humor. Oh, well, I think that, um, you know, when I say discipline men, I'm talking about setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I think that anytime you can use a light touch instead of the Heavy. harsh tone. Yes. I think that people really appreciate it. And the the biggest problem that most people have in relationships is a loss of goodwill, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to lose a feeling of goodwill. So if you just jump to the blackest place that you can and the harshest tone that you can think of and you don't give your partner, Lucia is making like this <laughs> face like, oh, did Yikes. you do that? <laughs> no, 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 me, not me. No, yeah, no. but if you, if, you, if you can really try to, give somebody the benefit of the doubt yeah. and tease them about it instead of really lashing out. It's, it's a usually a good idea. Right. Right. Uh, I remember like one time online, somebody wrote, I was uh, back and forth with someone and then he disappeared for a week. Right. And I'm like, where the hell did he go? So when he finally wrote back to me, I wrote back, he wrote something, oh, and I just totally disregarded it. And I said, well, it looks like James Bond is back from his mission. There we go. You get a total gold star for that. <laughs> and so, so I said, you know, in the next email he wrote, oh, um, I don't know about James Bond. I was just up in Canada and I was blah, blah, blah. So he told me where he was without me having to ask, why didn't you write back for a week? Perfect. <laughs> That's what I call expert manhandling. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So you got to kind of, uh, you know, be a little sneaky about how you. Well, and have a light touch, you know. Yeah. And then what happens, I mean, the worst thing for guys is to feel like they're in the doghouse and they can't get out. Right. If you let a guy out of a dog out of the doghouse, mm. right? If you mm. let him off the hook, there's a difference between being a doormat mm-hmm. and being a good manhandler. Yeah. Doormat is somebody who does not know how to set boundaries and let somebody treat her badly. Right. A good manhandler is somebody who goes, "Okay, you screwed up. Mm, we both know you did, and I'm just gonna let you off the hook this time." Right. You gain points for that with men. Because yeah. they do know you're keeping score. <laughs> and they know when they screw it up. They totally do. They totally do. Right. So now what about, um, chem- you said don't mistake chemistry for compatibility. So how the heck are we going to do that? Well, well, one of the things that you do is you keep your thong on <laughs> while you're doing romantic research. Right. So you don't go into a sex, sex coma uh-huh. until you understand what his romantic goals are uh-huh. and if he would like to fulfill them with you. But what about the chemistry outside the bedroom? I was talking about that because you can have total chemistry with someone outside the bedroom before you've even had sex. Well, there's a lot of different ways to have chemistry. The chemistry I was talking about was sexual compatibility, uh-huh. you know, and sexual chemistry. Yeah. Uh, emotional chemistry, intellectual compa- chemistry, all of that uh, is something that you are, that's not a danger, it's right? Not, okay. Unfortunately, sometimes, now this is also true. Sometimes women and men can have a lot of chemistry, and this is the danger of also online dating. Yeah. If you email back and forth and back and forth and, and back, back and forth, forth <laughs> you can create a fantasy relationship mm. that's not based in reality. So you always do want to take virtual encounters offline Absolutely. and have a virtual blind date on the phone. Mm-hmm. Now, women, when you do this, press star 67 and always get the man's number so that you don't have strangers with your phone number that you're not really prepared to kind of proceed with. Mm -hmm. So you just say, I think that it might be fun to have a virtual date on the phone. 
Um, and he'll go, great, can send me your number. You go, you know, I'd love to, but I think I might feel more comfortable calling you first. Mm. You send me your phone number and the best times to call, I certainly will. <laughs> and in that voice, too. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Okay. So um, your website, which I forgot to mention earlier, laurenfrancis.com. Yes. You can reach me at lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N-F-R-A-N-C-E-S.com. And I have uh, actually a coaching for men mm. that you can download. It's actually a little video of me uh, being interviewed by David D'Angelo, who's I a, saw that. in Man Transformation. And then I also have tons of free teleclasses, which are awesome. I've got how to date like an international spy and tell if men are the one from date one. And how to ask the heartache prevention question, which you heard a little bit and today. And also cyber flirt secrets if you're dating online. That's actually very helpful for men as well as women. And you can also join my manhandling newsletter and get free dating tips. And also ask me questions. Yeah, you got a lot going on on that site, and I highly recommend the uh, teleseminars because I always found. When are you gonna have your next one? They're gonna start on uh, January 11th, and we're going to be doing romantic reboot, um, which is how to restart your love life in six weeks, uh-huh. and also cyber flirt reboot, which is how to write a heart-stopping online profile, and then we'll be doing cyber flirt manhunt, which is how to launch yourself online and find your beloved. And I have so much success. I've got women getting married all over the world wow. with uh, the profiles that I actually teach them how to create, uh-huh. which it really creates a profound romantic intention. And the statistics of the women doing my work and the women getting real results and not only finding somebody, but finding what I call an epic legendary love that lasts forever are extremely high. Wow. Extremely high. That sounds great. Well, then we all got to check it out. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. It's been fun. Um, again, the book is Dating, Mating, and Manhandling. And the website is laurenfrancis.com. Um, so for me, it's the last show of the year. Oh. <laughs> it's been almost three years I've been doing this show. Wow. Three long years. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, my website is theartoflove.net. Uh, I don't have the same teleseminars that Lauren has, but I have other things going on there. Uh, of course, I have my book at Lucia's Lessons of Love. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, until next time, that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia. Right here on L.A. Talk Radio.